You're listening to After the Fact. It's a chance for us to talk about questions or thoughts that we didn't have time for or that didn't fit into a regular podcast session. And today I get to ask Kyle a question. Kyle, are you ready? Always. Oh, I love hearing that. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite, I've said I've not made a secret that you are my favorite church planter. Thank you. And uh, one of the things that has been really fun to watch you navigate is how to not um, have Christian education be an afterthought, but to be something that is part of the church from its earliest moments. And so I would assume at this point you're a year in, right? You just had your one year yeah, anniversary. October 6th was one year. Yeah. So in that time frame, what have you learned? What have you done? Yeah. What have you learned about how to implement Christian education in a church plant? Yeah, that's a great question. So I got to do like the first thing uh, that you're supposed to do anytime that you're a church planner answering a question about church plant stuff, which is that every church plant is unique. The context is different. Like I know how to plant a church in Richardson Mm -hmm. at this time with this people from the church that sent us. Mm -hmm. So like... There might be some general things to learn, principles, but, principles, yeah. but certainly not anything that I'm saying. Here's the silver bullet. This is the secret sauce. I just made it one year. So I'd <laughs> be, it'd be like listening to a baby. <laughs> I mean, so here are some things that we've done and why we did them and, and why we think there's value in considering doing them in some way. Um, uh, when we launched Mosaic, you know, we're, we don't have a permanent space. We're nomadic. Mm-hmm. We're mobile. Um, we have a, a lean staff team. Uh, it's grown over this year, but it's been a lean staff staff team. And we knew from Jump Street, from day one, we wanted to be able to do two things that we felt like are complementary outside of our gathering and our overall programming. We wanted to do groups, more of what you would understand in a traditional small group structure, scattered, meeting houses. Our groups are, are really built as communities with shared mission. A lot of them are neighborhood specific around our community. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're mostly doing neighborhood outreach, engagement, and practicing the one another's, caring for one another mm-hmm. in spaces. What I have seen is that if you try to take what you really should try to accomplish in Christian education environments and force them into groups, it almost never goes well. Yeah. It's really, really difficult to execute because a lot of what you talk about, I've learned this from you, about what makes a strong adult education environment, which is structure, accountability, and predictability, mm-hmm. which for most small groups, none of those things are mm-hmm. there. You know, People are in or out. There's no mm-hmm. recording. There's very little quality control. Discussion is very loose, it, it, right? I mean, the te- there's not really teachers in right. those environments. And so we knew we wanted to have groups because we felt like that was an important part of re- engaging our community. But also we wanted to create from the beginning strong Christian education environments. So we launched Mosaic Church and the week after we hard launched Mosaic, we, we had a men and women's Bible study, six weeks for both. And we went through the book of Philemon. So together. good. So we jumped in and it was a tall order. I mean, it was... I mean, we launched the church, the public service, Mm -hmm. and all of our gospel communities, which are our groups, and the six-week men and women's Bible study, and people told us we were nuts for doing it. But I knew that if we launched groups without launching a corresponding adult education, well, one, you would kill me. (laughs) And then two, our people, uh, we want to equip our people in that way. And three, whatever you do early on like that is just culture setting. So we felt like if we launched groups and then we launched adult education later, people would see it as an A team, B team thing. Well, like you could do the Bible class, but if you really want to be involved, you got to be in a group, right? We just didn't want to set up that dichotomy. And so we launched with that. So now we have gone 
one year, um, and we have gone through a six-week study. We scaled it up. I mean, if you're a small church or if you're a baby church plant. Yeah, how many do you have? Let people know how, kind of what your attendance is now. Okay, so I guess we run about 200 and I guess our average is 250 to 275 okay. yeah. in worship. Mm-hmm. And then we have about 150 kids every weekend oh under the age gosh. of six. And about four, 35 to 50 adult volunteers over there with them. Okay. So uh, cumulatively, 400 to 500 people on a weekend. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's what our attendance looks like. Uh, when we launched Men and Women's Bible Study, we launched it as all lay led. Mm-hmm. So we did a huge teacher pipeline to build out, but our, our teachers early on were all non, like they were non staff teachers, right. which was incredible. And I love it. It's still part of the DNA. We've been able to onboard some people now that give some attention to that from a staff perspective. Uh, I work with two very talented people that help now guide and direct men and women's Bible study, Anthony Bastion, mm-hmm. who was our first full time hire. People. She's fantastic. She's been killing it with women's Bible study. And so she's been kind of giving for a uh, direction, uh, um, and guidance and a teaching voice to women's Bible study and Max Diner, who mm-hmm. does that for men's Bible mm-hmm. study, who's also a great teacher. Okay, uh, but logistically, yep. because I, I talk to church planners a lot and what I hear is, well, we don't, the things you said, we don't have a facility during the week yep. and we have a million kids. Yes. And so, and the two bugaboos with having a classroom environment are finding a, a solution for childcare and yep. finding a physical space to have it. So how have you solved those riddles? Yeah, we, I, I don't know that we have. Uh-huh. Uh, certainly not the first one. What we, what we did was we told our men early on, listen, you have a much more flexible schedule. You mm-hmm. should make it a priority for uh, for uh, wives in the life of our church who have kids who are also moms to be able to go to women's Bible mm-hmm. study. We just said, that's a way of dying to yourself. Your schedule is a lot more flexible. So our men meet in the early mornings and many of them go to work right after. That's not ideal. It's not ideal to, to get up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. to be at a 6.30 Bible study, but it's what we can do right now. Right. Um, and then for our women, they meet on in the evenings. It was Thursday evenings last year. Now it's Wednesday evenings. Uh, we're not able to provide kids care right now and mm-hmm. they've outgrown the space we're in. So we mm-hmm. now have to think about getting a different space or starting a second women's Bible study because it's just grown so much. I think this year, uh, this semester, we have over 100 women studying Ephesians 1 through 3 over eight weeks. Okay, I need that number to, to sink in for people because you said you have about 230 adults on the weekends. Yeah. And, and in your classroom mm-hmm. settings, you have... A total of about how many? Uh, between men and women, um, about 150. Yeah. So yeah. that's over half of the church is plugged into a learning environment in the first year of the church. That yeah. is remarkable. It's been it's been really fun. I think one of the things, if I could dispel a couple of myths about yeah. this, uh, because I believed these myths and I felt like these are insurmountable mountains. I'm telling you, I got so, we got so much flack for, for saying we were going to start a Bible study. Right. Like, when we were launching the church. I mean, just so much flack. Um, And a couple of the myths. One, you can't find space. I'll tell you that one of the things that a planter does is try to build meaningful relationships with sister churches. And we have just gone in great humility to sister churches in our community and said, is there a time when you're not using your building? I love it. We will be good stewards of your mm-hmm. building. I promise you we'll honor your building. Um, I, just a real practical tip. I came up with a, a reference sheet. Every space that we leased before we launched, I had people uh, write us a reference essentially. So then I could come to venues and say, listen, I know that we can't give you a lot of money, but here are references that will tell you we are really good with your space. Mm-hmm. That was just a good way of demonstrating credibility mm-hmm. of good up faith front. up front mm-hmm. saying, here are people that can vouch. If we use your space we will take care of it. if we make a mistake we will fix it and we've done that we've honored those spaces 
So that's been a big part of it was finding space for, uh, uh, the other thing would be, man, you're going to, in the early year, uh, early years, you need to be just pushing missional energy. Well, what I have learned is that if you create strong adult education environments, <laughs> you don't lose missional energy. You Build Build missional energy because as more people engage with knowledge of God, knowledge of self, knowledge of the world through meaningful adult education environments, they are more equipped and empowered to be able to do the missional engagement that you're calling them to do. They've internalized the mission to a level that you need to. This is, that's Dallas Willard. He says, you know, what if the church were to make disciples and let converts happen instead of making converts and letting disciples happen? Obviously that's a, that's a simplistic way of addressing the conversation, but I think it's a good corrective for us to consider. I am nothing less than inspired at the way that you've done this. I want you to write a book. Well, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) In all of your free time. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, But I will say uh, it's cool because some of the most evangelistic people in the life of Mosaic right now are the people who are most in invested and involved in our men and women's Bible studies, that they're learning something and they're so captivated by what the, this God they're encountering yeah. in his word uh, and in Christian teaching that they're like, I've got to share this with somebody. And so now they're able to take that. I can think of at least two, possibly four situations right now, individuals that are taking what they're learning in their Bible study mm-hmm. and are reading the Bible with non-Christian people of other faiths in our community. It's so good. That's just incredible. So these the, the things don't have to be at odds with one another. They're highly complementary. I will say it's a bit of a chore. It's a lot of work. But what we have seen is that by empowering our people, they want to be in it and they want to help lead it. The best things that have happened from an adult education environment have really just come with me looking at people who were going to find a way mm-hmm. to do this anywhere, anyway. Like you say, like the woman who's like, I'm going to teach the Bible study in my mm-hmm. living room. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to do it. If you don't give me space, I'm going to do it. Way. <laughs> and so just coming alongside them and being like, I want you to do this. Yeah. We believe in you. How can we help? The, how can we make this happen? Yeah. And them just taking and running it. So... It's been truly fantastic to see uh, the Lord work in those ways. And, and you've uh, done this, and Eastside, our other church plant, they've done yeah. this. They've, mm-hmm. they've seen a similar yeah. response in the in the number of people who are involved. It's oh, yeah. it's really cool to see, and it'll be interesting. I want us to circle back, you know, maybe next year or the year <laughs> after, and I want to hear what are the because you know every season of it will bring a different yep. uh, complication or challenge Absolutely. to it. Uh, as your people, you know, you've got all that great initial energy of people going, I'll do whatever you need. Yeah, and yeah. You get to year three and they're like, I'm tired of doing whatever you need. Yep, but yep. but you're, you're establishing these patterns and these expectations about what it means to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. They're so encouraging to see and which are often counterintuitive for church plants in the way that they order the things that they, they are going to prioritize. So yeah. grateful well, for it. Well, it's been exciting.